Welcome to the GoBundance Podcast, the audio channel for healthy, wealthy, generous men who choose to lead epic lives. You know, the problem with most successful guys is they are awesome, yet at the same time, they suck. <laughs> They're too one-dimensional. Like, they have big, fat money, but also a big, fat gut. <laughs> or the opposite. They may look good as hell naked, but if you look in their savings account, they're as broke as a $3 watch. Some may have both muscle strength and financial strength, but they've been divorced five times and their kids don't even speak to them. Some have huge smiley family portraits in their foyer, but not a single friend that's honest and objective with them. Some may be gregarious as hell, surrounded by people and hugs galore, but their charitable giving is shameful. Come on, man. Really? That's all you gave back? I think you get my point by now. At GoBundance, we know we're not perfect, but our goal is to be better. Better multidimensionally in six simple categories. We call these our pillars. Number one, horizontal income. Number two, age-defying health. Number three, bucket list adventures. Number four, genuine contribution. Number five, authentic relationships. And number six, extreme accountability. So speaking of number six, let's dig into this week's interview with a GoBro. And you can tell me. Is he walking the talk or is he a false prophet? <laughs> Have you dreamed of being part of GoBundance, the tribe of millionaires, but maybe you're just not quite there yet on the balance sheet. You haven't hit that million dollar net worth, but you understand the value of being part of this community and part of this brand and why the six pillars are so important and they're important to you. Well, we've got a great opportunity for any one of you out there that are seeking one day to be whole life millionaires and join GoBundance. That is our Emerge program from GoBundance. My name is Jamie Gruber. I'm host of the GoBundance podcast, founder of the Emerge program, and I'm proud to say that we've been able to put a couple of hundred students through the Emerge program with stellar results. They've been able to achieve goals, transform their lives, and get to the next level of life that they aspire to simply by being part of this incredible program. With the Emerge program, we have three objectives. The first is to create transformation. You're going to establish a goal at the very beginning of this 12-week course, and every week you're going to get a content drop. You're going to get curriculum. You're going to get support from the community in you achieving that goal by the end of the 12 weeks. Along with that, our second objective is proximity. You're going to have proximity to like-minded people just like you, people that you don't have in your regular life right now that you can relate to and talk about what it is you're trying to achieve in life. And they're going to hold you accountable to whatever you say you want to do or better yet, whoever you say you want to be. With proximity also comes the GoBundance community. Every Tuesday evening, we bring in a GoBundance member and we Q&A them in our millionaire case study segment. Right before that, you get to hang out with your fellow Emerge members on Tuesday evening. And Thursday morning, Diego Corzo comes live to you to teach you about different areas of being a whole life millionaire. And lastly, our third objective, we're going to be watching. We want to make sure you're accountable to achieving what you want and finishing this course. And if you do you'll get an exclusive invite to our Ascend Mastermind where we can really dive in and dig deep on getting you to that whole life millionaire status. Go to GoBundance.com slash Emerge. Put in coupon code Emerge for $200 off this one-time charge and lifetime access to the Emerge program. You won't regret it. Check out what it's done for other people on the website, and I hope to see all of you in Emerge. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the GoBundance Podcast, the Tribe of Millionaire segment. This is Jamie Gruber, your host, and I am really excited. We've had uh, a couple and a few more to come. GoBundance women guests in the GoBundance Podcast recently, so that you know you can see what's going on on both sides of the GoBundance community. I'm excited today to welcome somebody that uh, you know we have some similarity in our path. I've, I've gotten to know her over the last couple of months. Uh, she's an amazing story, and she has some news she's going to share with us today, I believe, as well, about something that significantly changed in her life recently. She's a real estate investor. She's an active member in the GoBundance women's community, and she's a friend. Welcome, Mandy McAllister. Oh, hi, Jamie. I am so excited to be here with you. Uh, she means that me. too, because look, inside baseball, we've rescheduled this like 11 and a half times. 
So I'm actually excited. We're finally getting yes. this done. We chatted. So yeah. I'm with you. I'm with you. Yeah. So let's start with your background and story. Just kind of take us from where were you born and maybe a little bit about your story growing up through where you are today. Give us the whole, the whole spread. The whole uh, nine yards. Uh, exactly. So I grew up on a farm. So if you ever need to bail hay, Jamie, I got you. I've done that. Uh, Yes, have you? And yeah. and my Christmas present every year for my dad is like half a cow. So like I'm full on country girl. Um, I ended up um, my my high school was a hundred kids. It's a public high school, graduating class of twenty six. So uh, graduated third, not ten percent, top ten percent. Uh, ended up following. I played volleyball forever and ended up following that to um, I ripped my ACL my junior year of high school. So eighty eight Division one teams went to four in the span of the month after my, my first surgery. So one of the last four was a school in, in Georgia called Mercer. And uh, our little claim to fame is we beat Duke in the first round of the tournament a few years ago, which was a very big day for my life. So um, after four years at Mercer, I knew I wanted to live in a city. My brother was doing undergrad at by Chicago. I moved up here and uh, I still live in Chicagoland. Ended up, I've been here since uh, 2002-ish lived in the city, um, started, uh, did a master's degree in economics. And, you know, dad is a farmer plus master's in economics equals Chicago board of trade. Like that is the the math on that. So, um, after about four ish years kind of saw the writing on the wall at the, the floor was going away. Like it's so it seemed so obvious at the time. So I made a transition from that into medical sales, which I, um, did for 16 years. And it's, it's a funny little punchline because I switched from, you know, pre-med chemistry and undergrad to the business school because I thought, oh, I, I talked to a cardiologist and he's like, you don't want to be on call for the rest of your life. You, you know, if you better love medicine because you're going to be on call and your life is going to suck, basically. So I switched to the business school. And then punchline is I ended up on call for a medical device sales job. So um, 16 years in that, and actually just three weeks ago, you know, had enough horizontal income coming in from my real estate investments to leave that W-2, retire from that W-2. So now I am a real estate investor only, primarily focusing on, uh, call it small multis from the four to 50 unit space, but we're pursuing some bigger stuff here just to see how that goes. I love it. So you're, you're what life of shuffleboard and, uh, uh, you know, lunch at, or uh, dinner at four o'clock and all of that. That's kind of what the future is for you. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I, uh, it's funny cause I'm, I'm more jam packed now than I've, I've ever been before. And, uh, my kiddo just started kindergarten. So like it's, I actually had a call before this and the, I feel absolved of mom guilt. I feel like ready to attack my business because all of the, oh, I should be with my kid stuff. Like, no, like he's in school. He needs to be in school. Now I can run directly at, uh, achieving all of my dreams. I love that. The, the, uh, it's funny, a couple parallels real quick. And then I want to dive into this conversion from trading, I guess you could say to medical sales, but, uh, I too went to a school in the middle of nowhere in upstate New York. I, uh, the 26 kids, you said it's so small. Mine was 30. So we, uh, we were big time, right? 30 kids, yep. <laughs> kindergarten through 12th, one building, 400 kids. We didn't even have a separate high school, but it was very similar in, in size. Uh, and yeah, my neighbor, Andy or dog, who's probably long gone at this point. He was an old guy back then. Uh, I bailed hay for him at the at 12, 13, and 14 years old. I had no idea what I was doing. We moved from more of an urban environment, Long Island, up to this hunting cabin my dad had. Uh, but all of these things that you did, except for volleyball, I, wasn't, I, I didn't have that in me, but very, very similar. So I just wanted to kind of point out even more similarities in our story, which I is mean, a little bit crazy. Hashtag same life. Hashtag same. same <laughs> so, all right. So you are, if I heard you right, you are in the financial sector, not in sales, and then you convert to sales, correct? Exactly. Yep. Okay. I was literally on the floor of the board of trade. Okay. The reason I ask that is there's a lot of people that I think follow this podcast. And even within the GoBundance community, you talk about leaving your W2. We have a micro tribe in the men's side, and I'm sure the women's side is, has got the same uh, 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 phenomenon, if you will. Leaving your W-2 is like, a, it's like, it's like taking a piece of you off, it feels like. It's such a hard thing to do, and we all want to have the passive income, as you do, uh, to walk away and kind of have that equal, equal income and you know, have zero change in life or whatever the case may be. But this was a point at which where you made a change from one complete uh, you know, sector and way of being, like you weren't in sales, to now sales. Can you talk about 
a little bit more in depth that decision. What 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 decision tree did you use, or what what did you go through? How did you end up in? Med- I get the the undergrad focus in pre med and everything else, medical device sales. There's some similarity there, but like, what was the what was the decision like to make that move, and what did you learn about yourself in that? You know, the, the I guess I was always a capitalist from a, a young age, right? Like I uh, sold scrunchies in like junior high school. Uh, because I always had like this entrepreneurial thing about me. Both my parents are self-employed. So it didn't seem like I always was in some sort of a role that was kind of mildly entrepreneurial. But when I looked at, you know, chasing the money. So at the board of trade, like there's a ton of money to be made. Right. But I would see guys like in the blink of an eye, one bad decision, lose millions and millions of dollars in a flash. You could go to work, be perfectly trained, be doing all of the right things and still be negative for the day. So, you know, when it came to how do I want to build a career, like it it didn't seem like that was setting myself up for success in a a really tremendous way. Right. So I knew medical stuff. I, you know, had just passed up the, the, you know, chance to go or structure my career such that I would move towards medical school. And I, um, my, my mom owned a business growing up, a, a small gift manufacturing company that made reproduction carousel horses. So all of her sales came from, you know, her and I working these trade shows. So we'd go to toy fair in New York and I would write half the order. So I kind of understood how to deal with people, help them fix their problems and sell them things in the process. So I knew that that was kind of a niche that I had. And, uh, you know, it's a, a lucrative place to be in the, you know, early two thousands was medical device. So that that's the transition that I made. Were you good at it? And did you enjoy it? Um, I remember literally physically, visibly shaking on my first alone sales call in medical sales. Like literally the sweet woman, God, I wish I could remember her name, but I remember the hospital. And every time I drive past it, I just think, oh my gosh, that sweet woman just, I, you know, cause anything, and I, I coach volleyball now, 14 year old girls. I, I tell them all the time. And I believe this firmly for myself that anything worth being good at is worth sucking at in the beginning. And oh my God, Jamie, did I suck? Right. So uh, it really wasn't until like my middle thirties, like I knew that these larger groups, I got really comfortable in front of two, three, five, seven people, but anything larger than that. And I would visibly shake, like it was a thing. And so I started doing uh, improv comedy in Chicago. That was my 30th birthday present to myself and uh, went through the first year. And my last teacher said, Hey, you're you're not bad. You should try out for the conservatory. And they freaking let me into the conservatory. So I did the the conservatory through, uh, that's what, you know, Tina Fey was in, uh, Bill Murray, all of that stuff, whatever. And I realized, oh my God, if I get in front of people and I mess up, I'm not going to die. And now I give presentations to hundreds of people. So anything worth being good at is worth sucking in the beginning at. So you got good at it and your personality, again, I, I, I draw similarities, age of 30, Improv Asylum, Boston, Improv One. You are me. Invited to the next level, but didn't go through with it. So you took the extra step that I didn't. But if you were good at it and your personality fit, you were aligned, so to speak, energetically with that kind of role, why leave? Improv comedy or medical no, sales? No, 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 not improv oh. comedy, the sales job. Why leave? Why retire? Why walk uh, away? You know, uh, a lot has changed in medical sales. There's like a lot of, you know, laws, rules, you know, and a lot of things have become commoditized with, if you look at, you know, in these urban areas, especially all of the smaller hospitals are being bought up by bigger hospital groups and doctors are getting less and less of a choice in how they practice medicine largely, because it's just, it's kind of by committee rather than individual decisions. So the level of, you know, education, helping make an informed decision doesn't matter as much now, in my humble opinion, as it did 15 years ago, uh, because the way it, it, you affect way less change. And more than that, even the comp plans have really been, um, you know, lassoed in. So the earning potential isn't there in the way it was. Got it. Why leave improv? Go back to that. Question. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> so in my in my very first, uh, like day of, um, 
the conservatory. Like it was me and all like I was 30 and everybody else was like 22 and just finished their bachelors of fine arts in all these big deal schools. And I'm like, I felt like I was the teen mom. I should have brought orange slices or something. So that was thing number one. And I, I like had mortgages to pay, right? Like I was an investor and um, they asked me, well, Mandy, what do you want to do with improv comedy? I'm like, I don't know. Like the, you know, I gotta, I gotta pay mortgages, right? Like the, the end of the day that we had just seen in the paper, uh, the Chicago Tribune put out that the creme de la creme was making like $25,000 a year being on the main stage. I'm like, I, I can't afford to make 25 grand a year. I got, you know, I'm, I'm a grown up. And then, you know, here we are. Any regret? So uh, I'll share this at 32. I, I, built up the, uh, the, the courage to do something I always wanted to do, which was uh, an open mic session. So I went mm -hmm. to a club in Boston when I lived there, did my open mic. I did it for like, I don't know, 12 to 14 weeks. And like you, it was like, look, I'm a 32-year-old guy. I didn't have kids at the time, but still, I, you know, I'm making a decent living. You know, I, I, can't, I can't just like leave and do this right now. At least I felt like I couldn't. And it's, you know, you got to get on a list at 10 o'clock at night on a Wednesday, mm -hmm. and then you may not perform for your three minutes until 2 a.m. by the time they get to you. And it just, it felt harder than I was willing to put in the work for. But I'll, I'll admit there are times where I wonder what could have been, especially now with the benefit of hindsight, like at 30 or 32, you feel like such an adult. And at 42, I look back and say like, what a, what a kid, what an infant at 32, right? So I have the benefit of hindsight and I do at times kind of drift off and wonder like if I had really given it my all on this, mm -hmm. what could it have been? Any of that for you or do you, are you, are you comfortable that it was a season and it's over and you know, you're good with it. Beyond that it was a season, it was a real learning opportunity. Like I wouldn't have, I wouldn't be good. At, I feel like I'm good at this type of messaging stuff and inspiring people and impacting lives because I had that opportunity in the past. You know, I wouldn't be the, the me that I am had I not had that season. I love that. I have that same sense. I've said that before, like by doing it, it proves something to myself that I could, right? Like anything I ever dreamed or thought was impossible, I can overcome it. I remember not, not eating or drinking anything until like, like all day. And then my first glass of water was at like 11 o'clock at night after I did my set. And I had this massive headache because I was completely depleted, but I didn't feel it until after the set. But to your point, it was more I overcame a challenge or I challenged mm -hmm. myself to do something and did it. And it set about a series of events that led me to interviewing you here today. So uh, I'm appreciative of it. All right, go Bros. We have our 2022 couples trip of a lifetime. Here's the deal. When you think romance, the one country that comes to mind, we are talking about Italy. Here is the epic itinerary. Day one. This is April 1st, 2022. We're going to arrive in Florence and take a private transfer to the city center. There we're going to go on a guided walking tour of Florence. We're going to discover all kinds of ancient beginnings where we'll finish the day with a welcome dinner at a local restaurant day two after breakfast we're going to visit some historic workshops and learn about the ancient florentine artisanal tradition then enjoy a special leather hands-on workshop in the afternoon challenge yourself to a hands-on tuscan food cooking class and then feast on your creations for dinner day three april 3rd we're hitting the countryside in the company of your local art historian guide visit a galleria commissioned in 1560 leonardo da vinci botticelli tizzanio michelangelo all have hung out in this joint here after lunch at your leisure travel to the tuscan countryside and check out your hotel and dinner at the inner restaurant day four a full day excursion to siena today soak up the medieval flavor of the city on this walking tour through city center see palazzo publico the colorful marble clad cathedral and piazzo del campo one of italy's most beautiful squares then we're going to hit a leisurely bike ride through the vineyards blanketing the surrounding landscape Day five, we are going to start the day by driving Fiat 500 cars along the enchanting roads of gorgeous Tuscan countrysides. And we're going to land 
in the Bocelli Vineyards. Yes, the Andrea Bocelli. His family is going to serve us wine and, and an incredible meal. Day six, transfer to Rome with a stopover in Orvieto. Orvieto is one of the most striking, memorable, and enjoyable hill towns in central Italy. Less than 90 minutes from Rome, it sits majestically high above a valley floor atop a big chunk of Tufo volcanic stone. After lunch, we continue on to our hotel in Rome's historic center. Day 7. Wake up early and see the Sistine Chapel. Marvel at some of the world's most spectacular works at the Vatican Museums. Then visit St. Peter's Square in its soaring basilica. Of course, we will not miss the iconic Colosseum, the massive amphitheater that accommodated 50,000 spectators were gladiators prepared for battle. Next, be thrilled by a specially arranged visit inside formerly the Temple of Antonius. Here, enjoy a lecture on ancient Rome given by a prominent Roman art historian. Day 8, we reach Tivoli and visit the amazing Hadrian's Villa. After lunch at an enchanting local restaurant, we turn to Rome for a leisurely stroll through the charming neighborhood of Trastevere one of Rome's most authentic and vibrant areas. This epic adventure for you and your significant other covers all internal transfer, incredible, highly rated boutique accommodations. If you're ready to wow your significant other and show him or her how much you really love them, get signed up for Italy 2022. Wrong tribe confounds, the right tribe compounds. Get your free copy of the runaway bestseller Tribe of Millionaires, a $20 value at tribeofmillionaires.com free. Just pay the shipping. That's tribeofmillionaires.com. You're out of the job three weeks. I'm out of the job about six months now. I'm curious because I'm thinking back to about that one month-ish mark. What have you learned that maybe you weren't expecting? What challenges or whatever about unemployed or self-employed life, I should say, uh, are there? Like, what is self-employed life really like versus what maybe you thought it would be? What's surprising you, if anything, at this point? Well, right as I was done, my nanny got COVID. <laughs> so oh. she had to quarantine for two weeks and I didn't have childcare. So what a gift that yeah. I was able to just kind of step in and hang out with my kid for those two weeks, you know, so that was kind of a, a gift from the universe in a lot of ways. So I, I only know uh, self-employment with childcare for a couple of days now. So uh, one thing that I can say, though, is um, that I didn't anticipate that, you know, I plan to talk to the Leave Your W-2 tribe when we talk next week is uh, the playing this liquidity game. Like I, I always had my investments and I just kind of let them, you know, rinse and repeat themselves. I never had to live off of any of that income. I never had to use any of that income because I just lived below my means for my day job. And I, you know, had auto drafts set up for all of my things and just had my life living how I lived my life. And, you know, first month, oh God, I did, I didn't trans, like I, I had, however many, a hundred something thousand in some other account. And I didn't transfer enough in to freaking pay my mortgage. And I, I bounced a check. Like I haven't done that ever in my entire life. So just thinking logistically through that, you know, you know, whatever the bank forgave me and it's no big deal. And they refunded the, the bounce check fee because bless my heart. But now I just, I just set it up. So I have auto drafts coming from that primary liquidity account, like I do get a paycheck so that I, I don't have to think that stuff through. But that was a really interesting uh, mistake. Yeah, no, I've been there. I, I've done that at least a couple of times. So yeah, you know, you think you'd learn from it, but I haven't. And the other part for me is, is uh, the conditioning of W2 or of a job makes you want to fill your time. So mm. I've overcommitted in my time since leaving, <laughs> since leaving my job, which creates a, a vacuum of email mm. and text and delayed responses on my part and everything else. 
hence 11 and a half reschedules with you and I. But yeah, no, I completely get that. That makes a lot of sense. It is different, right? Like there's not that that drop in your account every other week or whatever that you're used to just like, <laughs> it's there, it, it gets paid, everything happens. You got to like maneuver Thanks. stuff now. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Crazy. Well, um, I'll tell you on that. So if um, Calendly has completely changed my life in terms of, you know, not overbooking myself, because I, I love, you know, a chance to inspire people who are newer to this, but I can't offer an hour of my time to absolutely everyone. So I set up Calendly to offer the times that I'm able to offer. And one thing on that, a book called Scarcity really informed this idea of having slack. It's not so much scarcity of, we think scarcity of um, money, of, of time, of resources, but the, the scarcity of bandwidth, right? Like, you know, you, you've got to have, you got to build in a little bit of slack so that you can, you know, gain back that effectiveness. So with Calendly, I, I make it so that if somebody's going to book a call with me, I have 15 minutes after. So if we go over, no big deal, or I have a little bit of downtime to, you know, rev back up. How do you, how do you say, so you mentioned people want your time. How do you say no to people or do you, how do you, how do you, you know, sort of filter out where you should give time and where you don't give time? You know, that's, that's a new struggle. Uh, because I do have increased bandwidth now that I didn't have before. Um, but I do, you know, in order to keep everything organized so that I get all of the stuff done that I want to get done, a lot of it, you know, it's it's not, if I put it in a place that I'm not the one saying no, that I've set up Calendly that I can only take two of these types of calls per day, if I've hit that quota, it's not then up to me to make that call. It's this pre-programmed thing that I've hit my quota and I'm sorry, I can't do it that day. Find another day or, you know, we're going to have to postpone. That has been mildly effective to me, but I am absolutely a work in progress in saying no. Uh, that's, a good, that's a good point, though, to your point, you know, if somebody really wants your time and the only time available is six weeks from now, then they'll take the time six weeks from now. Right. You've given them a barrier, if you will, to to get to you first. Right. They are how how committed and how how much do they really want this touch, this 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 connection. So that makes sense. Calendly has been great. I, I, I'm still, like you said, a work in progress with it because, yeah, I definitely like overcommitted too much on certain days. I thought I'll give myself Monday, Friday. I packed in Tuesday through Thursday and then that became a mess. And, you know, there's no space in between. So I couldn't decomp whatever we were talking about. So, yeah, it's it's a challenge. But uh, but kudos to you for taking that leap. And I just it's amazing what you built and how you've done it and everything else. And God, it just sounds so familiar for some reason. All of it sounds so damn familiar. So. Yeah. One more thing that I'm going to plan to work on is uh, I, I took a masterclass by Sarah Blakely, the CEO of Spanx, and she talks about macro. You, you think about time blocking stuff and you'll do the two hours here and the three hours and whatever, but this, this larger macro, like a full day time blocking. Like I have a lot of things I work on. I'm a you know multifamily investor. I have a group called Aspiring Women Achieving More. Like I have all of these bigger things that I'm working on. So from now on, Tuesday is Aspiring Women Achieving More day. So my team from that knows to contact me on Tuesday so that we're going to have full focus and get stuff done there. If it's multifamily related, if it's my coaching stuff, you better talk to me on Wednesday because that's the day that that stuff happens. And I found that pretty effective so far. Yeah, makes sense. What are all the things, if you could keep going. So you've got aspiring women, aspiring women, achieving more, that community, you've got your mm -hmm. multifamily business, you've got multifamily coaching, it sounds like as well. Yeah. Like, what other things are you doing post W2? Yeah, so I am mildly obsessed now with uh, buying a business or, or developing a business for sale. And the one that we've you know recently rolled out, being a uh, a coach, a high school sports coach, we do a lot of fundraising for these teams. And Jamie, Grandma don't want no more shirts or flowers or you know uh, wrapping paper, right? So she wants to give Jimmy you know twenty bucks and call it a day. So, you know, we've, we've built a website called uh, funds for teams, funds, the number four teams, uh, com, And it's, it's a place that teams can go to just have donations sent to their individual teams. And uh, that's, that's something that we've systematized and we've just recently rolled out. We're on our first campaign right now. It's going really well. So that that's my Thursdays. If you're wondering what I do on Thursdays, I wrote down uh, Thursday. Yeah. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, I allow for a little bit of slack on, on Mondays and Fridays and, you know, I'm, I feel firmly that I can do like three things well at a time, but if I let myself, I will run in all of the directions. Right. So I, I need, I'm, I'm working to really pare down, like, what am I going to give up 
if I'm going to go after this? Like, that's a question that I continue to ask myself. If I want to do that new thing, if I want to go coach volleyball, what am I going to give up to get to go do that? And I've, I've made no those. Hearts. Yeah. Yeah. No, I like that. What does five years from now look like? What's your vision, your big vision? Mm. You're doing these things. You mentioned about buying a business or creating one that, that you can sell. What does five years look like? What is the world of Mandy McAllister at that point? You know, I'll have a, a far more developed team. This I, I love you know, starting and nurturing and inspiring and um, all of that type of, of stuff. That's really the, the, the stuff that juices me. I want to continue, you know, coaching volleyball. I want to continue coaching in any aspect, I, you know, high performance or otherwise, so, uh, multifamily investing. I don't know what that looks like exactly, but you know, I, I want to run these businesses, continue to do these larger things, but with a bigger, better developed team underneath me. Makes sense. Yeah. Now that makes a lot of sense. I love that, that you're thinking, you're thinking kind of with the end in mind, like not, not how, but who, right? Who, not how is kind not of how, how. you're thinking. Yep. Yeah. Love it. All right. Let's dive into some one sheet related questions. We'll kind of go pillar by pillar and, uh, and we'll dive in a little bit and just see, uh, see what, uh, what comes out here. So, uh, let's start with horizontal income, the first pillar. If you're comfortable sharing, what currently is your horizontal income and how many lines is that? Yeah. So uh, in terms of lines, like I think people look at this differently. Do you count each building or do you count you know, multifamily investing uh, as a whole? I, I count each building. Some people count each unit. I think that's a little ridiculous, but yeah. I count each, each <laughs> building. Yeah. Well, um, my primary passive income where I'm not completely, I'm not involved at all, uh, is, you know, it's just 22 doors that are just me. And then I have two joint ventures and, um, just now getting involved into some syndication. So, I mean, I don't know, 25 ish, we'll call it, or well, let's call it, let's call it two. I got my joint ventures. I got my personally owned stuff. Gotcha. What are the joint ventures? If you don't mind diving into that, what do those look like? Sure. So, you know, that's, when I decided to go past like the six, eight unit, smaller, small stuff into like the 50 ish unit space, there's two buildings uh, that we bought over the last two years, uh, a 53 unit in Indianapolis and a 47 unit that we bought just a couple months ago in Northwest Indiana. That is a kind of complete reposition. So it's the um, 53 is me and two other guys and the 47 is me and four other guys. What's your role in those? Like, what's your role in that general partnership? Yeah. So the, um, in the 53 unit, you know, I was part of due diligence. I was some of the capital. I, you know, do a lot of reconciliation and asset management stuff. Um, I moved to the South suburbs of Chicago so that I'm, you know, two hours from Indianapolis and I can get, you know, there, have meetings and home by dinner. That was the whole purpose for that. So, uh, that's, that's my role there. Uh, right now I was in the 47 unit in Northwest Indiana. I was some of the capital and, uh, it's, it's, it was down to the studs. We bought it out of receivership. It was, you know, condemned by the, the county. And my, my role to date has been, you know, I did, did a lot of rent comps. I did a lot of like the spreadsheet jockeying and, uh, we'll do some asset management stuff because we're going to work to do a, a bit of a short term plan because there's some, um, hospitals nearby. We want to do some, uh, travel nurses and furnished rentals in that. So that'll be part of my role as well. Nice. Are you, where, how far into that reposition are you at this point? You said you just bought it within the last year. So I'm assuming you're kind of still in progress. Yeah. Two months, but it's uh, a lot of brand spanking new. So uh, it it has been really cool to, you know, watch to be part of it because, you know, the, we've worked really closely with the, the municipality and they're, you know, selling us a lot next door for a dollar, you know, so because we're going to be putting in good parking, part of the reason that this asset was underperforming before was because it was mostly uh, studios and they had no parking. So what the previous uh, owner had to do was just really decrease rents and that brought in some um, undesirable tenants, let's say. And uh, we're going to have parking and we're going to actually reduce the number of units from 47 to 39, I think is the plan, oh, wow. so that we can have larger two bedroom units. Which will, it's not going to hurt our NOI, really. And we're, you know, doing right by the municipalities so that we're getting all of these extra lots that will have development plays down the road for us. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. I like that. You, you usually hear the other way, but you bought it out of receivership. It's down, down to the studs. I mean, it's the perfect time to do something like that. Be creative and really optimize the building for future, for future growth and value. That's incredible. Same partners in both deals? 
one partner is the same in both deals. I actually, um, I just recently talked him into joining GoBundance because this is the best thing I've done with my life. Uh, Brian Kokendorfer, if you haven't met him, you absolutely should. Yeah, yeah. Yep, absolutely. I, I, I don't know if I've met him, but I know who he is. So that's awesome. I didn't know he was your partner. How do you vet partners? How do you determine who a good partner will be for you? This is, a, this is actually a really good question for me because about a year ago, I had a partnership go wrong. A guy I went to my church with and our kids played and this person that I absolutely, you know, all of the things lined up that I should trust, right? Uh, ended up running away with uh, $110,000. So uh, now I trust, but verify. My biggest lesson is that I trust, but verify. So I run, I'm actually just um, involving myself with uh, a couple other partners for 104 unit uh, 506C syndication. So if you're accredited and you want to talk, let's do it. In Louisville, Kentucky, it's a class B asset 2019 build. And we're, you know, I made them all aware. Listen, buddy, I'm running a background check on you. Like, and that then leads to an uncomfortable conversation, right? Like it's, it's not comfortable to be like, Jamie, Hey, listen, I don't know if I can trust you or not. I'm doing a background check. Right. But what a unique opportunity that I have just kind of manufactured this uncomfortable conversation, right? Like now I know how that partner is going to deal with a hard conversation. Did they throw a hissy fit? Did they tell me I'm an idiot? Like, how do they treat me when I'm not, you know, telling them they're amazing. So that, that has been really, really useful. Uh, here in the short term for me. Wow. Are, are, uh, would the background check have uh, have revealed what you found to be the case with this prior partner? Google would have revealed oh, what no I kidding. needed. <laughs> yeah. that so, but the background wow. check, absolutely. There's, he has a number of liens and bankruptcies and oh, you just, I mean, go ahead. No, no. I was going to say to your point, just even asking for it probably would have been like, okay, no, yeah. I'm out. I'm good. Yeah, exactly. Wow. 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 Interesting. So how are you, what's your deal flow from? Is it brokers? Are you looking Indiana, Kentucky? Like kind of give me an idea of what's, what's that next step in your multifamily business look like? You know, I really like the Midwest because if you look just overall multifamily is so incredibly hot, you know, yeah. like if you look at well, if COVID caught, taught us anything, it's that, you know, strip malls and offices aren't necessarily, you know, as needed as we might have previously thought. Right. So all of the institutional money has really crowded into multifamily. And now we've got a ton of competition. And if you look in Texas, if you look in the Southeast, that, that is where the competition exists, right? So why I love multifamily is this incredible, you know, the terms you get, the non-recourse debt that you get from, you know, larger assets, the, you know, potential for uh, significant cash flow, like the things that it's a risk mitigated, you know, tax benefit type thing that, you know, you can get that in a 50 unit. Or you can get that in the 300 unit in uh, Florida, right? So, you know, I, I said this, to, I forget who, uh, not that long ago, I'm positioning myself as an investor and, you know, taking on investor capital now that, you know, if I'm going to compete in a beauty contest, I'm not going to Miss America, right? I'm not competing with the, the biggest, the people who've been at this forever and ever and are, you know, genetically different from me, you know, I'm going to compete in these markets where there's way fewer people competing and still get out of the deals when I need to get out of the deals and stand a chance of winning the ones that make sense. So I'm, I'm staying in the Midwest. I'm right here. I can be boots on the ground. I can tell you that that block in Indy works. That block in Indy does not work, right? That granularity of knowledge is really important to me as I'm continuing to steward other people's capital in these deals. Granularity of knowledge is a tweetable term. I like that. You should trademark it. That's yeah. excellent. Good job. <laughs> Hashtag, exactly. Hashtag granularity of knowledge. I like that. All right, cool. Let's jump over to the age-defying health pillar. Sorry, my <laughs> stumble over that a little bit. And I was coached by you on the better question. The men we ask a specific question. I'm going to ask it this way, uh, as the women's tribe does on your one sheet. How many pounds off of ideal weight are you? <laughs> I get that right? Yes, that's exactly how it is on our one sheet. I wrote yeah. it down. Yeah. I love it. You're, you're amazing. So right now I'm five pounds off. I'm, um, I've been negotiating with myself, which is, you know, oh, well, so my, I do really well with intermittent fasting, right? And if I, you know, if I need to lose a pound, I just fast for a day and it's gone. Like, that's just how I've learned the patterns of my body. That's how it works. Right. And I, you know, I decided that, oh, well, five pounds, I don't want that five pounds. It looks like five Mondays. I'm a fast. Right. But I'll get to 3 p.m. and I'm like, oh, I'm tired. I guess I could have, you know, a salad that, you know, what, that it just, it's, 
negotiating with myself. Like, no, I said, I'm going to do something. I need to be impeccable with my word. Right. And now that I've recommitted to myself, you know, ask me in five weeks, those five pounds will be gone. How do you leverage, uh, if you do at all, but have you leveraged like your pot or, you know, other women in abundance for that accountability? Or do you feel like that's something that you just have to be accountable to yourself for? You know, this pillar in particular, it's, it's a thing it's in me, right? Like, and I was coaching my 14 year old girls the other day, like you can show up in body to the gym or you can show up it to the court just in your body. But unless you show up with your brain, unless you're willing to do that work, then, you know, it's, it's kind of moot. The, the, the showing up doesn't really matter unless you show up intentionally. And for me, if I let myself negotiate with myself, like, oh, this set, like, oh, I'm going to go 12. Nope, just eight feels fine. That's, that's unacceptable, right? Like, that's not the standard I, I hold myself to. I, it's all on me. Wow. No, that's incredible. That, I like that. I like that, that point about it's on me. You know, you, you, uh, the negotiating with yourself thing, we all do it. And probably many of us do it in this pillar. I know I do. So that makes <laughs> sense. So you're coaching volleyball. Uh, I'm sure that's active. Do you have a, a specific exercise routine you do outside of that? I do a lot of hit stuff. Um, mm -hmm. I set like a Tabata timer and I jump rope and then do some heavy lift. Um, I, I feel like if I can feel my lungs, if I feel like I can throw up in 10 minutes, then I've done my job, you know? So I, I like the, sh the minimum effective dose of exercise, let's call it. Speaking of dosing, is there a food guilty pleasure that you dose with from time to time? Woof, wine. <laughs> wine okay could be worse could be worse that's not unless it's bottles at a time i suppose oh yeah but. no no yeah <laughs> very good all right let's jump to authentic relationships and tell me a little bit more you said you have one uh your one kid going to kindergarten tell me a little bit more about family uh married not married kids all of that good stuff yeah so just the one little boy he's five years old his name's duncan he is literally the funniest kid in the world he'll tell you that he wants to be a real estate investor when he grows up which i'm very proud of um i you know i've in my adult years like it's it's uh it's been interesting that you know friendships change you know you grow they grow you grow apart potentially and there's been a couple of pretty hard years of of you know friendship changes over time. But it's, that's another reason that, you know, running with a tribe of, of women that are running in the same direction as me, um, who wants kind of to pay attention to the same stuff has really mattered and really lifted me up in a really big way. So that that has been tremendous over the course of the last year. plus. Makes sense. The the uh, the relationships you have, are you referring to relationships with with men with friends that are women or, or kind of anything in between? All of the above. I, um, I, my ex-husband is a good man, but we did not belong together. We want very, very different things out of life. And uh, um, I, like two, three, two and a half years ago, actually, yeah, two years ago, uh, our divorce was final. And uh, we, you know, co-parents. And he's, you know, he's a great guy to have a beer with. And we're still buds, but he's, he's not... We weren't meant to be together. I wonder, and I, I can't know, obviously, because I'm not a woman, first of all, but being an accomplished woman, a driven woman like you are, um, you know, I, I, I don't know. I've had this reflection, I think, about like my upbringing, the generation that we come from. My parents had roles defined for what the girls, my sisters, were to do and what the guy I was to do. And I do wonder about that conditioning and trauma, if you will, uh, for maybe my sisters and what they felt like their expectation was, which was you know, be a wife, be a parent. Like that's what your role yeah. will be. And my role was defined very differently by my parents. For you, you've, you've, we're in the same age range. You may have bucked that trend a little bit by being so accomplished and so driven uh, as a woman and you've achieved amazing success. Has that played a role in any of the relationships you've had? Maybe your marriage, maybe some other folks that you've had in your world, even other women. Do you feel as though, and maybe I'm, maybe no, that that has played a role in any of these relationships sort of growing in a different direction? So I will say like in regard to, you know, being 32 and having been very career focused up to that point and realizing that, you know, oh my God, I'm single and oh my God, I want to have kids. And oh my God, I am this old lady now. I'm not going to be able to have kids. That panic moment, the biological clock thing that doesn't happen for men. Like we don't ever talk about it as women because it's such a friggin' scary thing, right. you know, but I mean, I like, I, I know that I made decisions that I wouldn't have made had I had a better decision process in place and not moved out of fear uh, in the way that I did in my um, early middle 30s. 
you know, that it's, it's undeniable. Right. But, um, it's, it's, do I think that I, I, I don't know, like it's, it's, it feels so narcissistic to say, Oh, because I'm successful, I have a hard time being friends, but like to also then say that like, it's not a possibility. I don't, I don't know that. Cause all I know is my, you know, vantage point. I think people find GoBundance, whether you're a woman or a man, because they feel a bit lone wolf in their current community. And, yeah. and you're right. I, I think the implication is that I've grown to be better than other people yeah. and it scares yeah. them. And that's, that's not it at all. I agree with you. It's more, I've just chosen a path that maybe is a little bit different. And this could be man or woman, right? Like in my world, your world now, leaving your W-2 job, at least until I found a GoBundance was you know, rare, a dream maybe for a lot of people, but rare. The people in my world would caution me against, well, what about health benefits? What about if yeah. this happens or that happens, right? Like we're conditioned to do a certain thing. So when you start to feel the pull of another way of living, whether you're a woman breaking from whatever your parents' tradition is, even if that was your story, I don't know, or you're just a person, anybody, man, woman, or whatever, going down the path of entrepreneurship or investing in real estate, which seems risky to certain people, you create, uh, I guess, a different path, not a better path, but a different path. Yeah. And that path leads you either to right back to where you were because you can't sort of fight the forces of the tribe that you have, or you find a tribe that supports who you currently are becoming. And it sounds like you found that with GoBundance. Absolutely. I mean, I, I closed on that fifth, first 53 unit, like in, during COVID. And I just, I so badly wanted to celebrate it. Right. But then I couldn't find anybody kind of in my little circle locally that yeah. I wouldn't feel like I was bragging or I, I wouldn't hurt their feelings by like celebrating my own success. So that, that has been really huge. The chance to, you know, get the, the big high five for the thing that is really cool. Somebody said it in a way uh, that's similar to this, and I stole it or I modified it, but uh, my, my friends and family, my crew, if you will, that I've had is my remember when group, right? Whereas mm -hmm. GoBundance gives me an imagine when crew mm -hmm. that I can hang out with and they can see the future version of me. And that's what you've done as well. And it's obviously serving you. So that's amazing. Let's go to genuine contribution. What is your give back ratio? Or if you just want to share what you give and how, uh, well, I'm sorry, what you give and what you give to, that's fine as well. Either or give to income ratio yep is how okay i am at 9.4 percent okay is that time um, money or just money like how do you track that it's both so i i mentioned this aspiring women achieving more it's uh it's it really it's it's you it's in, inspiration it's coaching it's but that's all pro bono stuff we do lots of uh accountability groups that are every Friday at 1 p.m. We do a Zoom call that we talk about. No, it's no BS. It's, you know, what are you working on? What hiccups did you hit? How can we help you move forward? It's all women. We all started as, you know, my friends were all real estate investors. Like that's just, those were my buds, right? So we came together and talked about what do you need to move forward? And then we kind of like offered it to the public. And so now, you know, I give a number of hours helping women through that platform. Some choose to go on and do, you know, individual coaching stuff, but we want to make sure to base it in this, you know, spirit of you're given two arms, right? Like one to pull yourself up. And that's what GoBundance does for me. It's this aspirational pull myself up, but the other arm is to pull other people up with me. Right. And I never, like, I never want to forget that. That's why I do the coaching. I'm a volunteer in my coaching. Actually, that number doesn't include my coaching stuff. So that would likely be a little bit higher, but regardless, you know, giving to people to see the level of inspiration, especially women. Cause I feel like women that are high achievers, we were perfect little girls and we raised our hand and we followed the rules. So when we get into this entrepreneurship or working for ourselves thing, unless you are willing to embrace failure, unless you are willing to, you know, suck at something for the promise of being good at it later, like you can't be perfect and suck simultaneously, right? So getting through that mindset stuff has been something we've worked with tons of women on. Yeah, we got to get your Twitter feed rolling here. You're dropping some dimes here. <laughs> I love that. Uh, how about your GoPod? What are you currently talking about and how often do you meet? Yeah, we meet every other week. You know, we, we are no BS and I love this about these women. So we, we do highs, lows and intentions and we just, you know, tag someone when we're done, we talk through, we go through all of that. And then we either go through a one sheet or we have a topic or a book or something that we're going through. So right now we're um, going through one sheets 
And um, there's a couple of books where we're planning to talk about some intentional parenting stuff because that all matters to us. Um, me wanting to build a team, we talked about um, hiring virtual assistants uh, recently um, because your girl Mandy needs some help, Jamie. Same. Yeah. Same. Uh, your so, guy Jamie needs the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so yeah. those are the, the topics that we normally discuss. Yeah. It's funny. We talk about the time frame, the three weeks versus the six months. It's, it's not a big difference in time, but the, the, uh, the amount that I've allowed it to get out of control by not bringing in the right assistant. Oh God. If I could give any advice, my sage five months ahead of you advice, it would be do it now. Don't wait. Cause I'm now trying to backtrack and figure out the best role and way to implement and bring somebody in and it, it can be tough. So, uh, good for you that you're thinking ahead like that. Uh, how about adventures? What is coming up for you? Any, any big abundance trips or, or any other greatest hits that are coming up for you? Yeah. So um, our next retreat is going to be to Mexico. The next women's uh, retreat will be in, at the end of October, which happens to be over my birthday weekend, Jamie. And because it was COVID last year, that was my 40th birthday. So I didn't get to go anywhere to celebrate it. So I'm going to pretend that we're doing this for my birthday. I like right? that. Right? What, what's, uh, so what's, what's weekend out of curiosity? What dates? Uh, October 23rd is my birthday. So the 21st to 23rd is when we'll be traveling. Are you a Libra? I'm on the cusp. I'm a Libra and a Scorpio. Libra. Me Hi, and you see, both. Hashtag same. High five. Yes. High yeah. five. <laughs> <laughs> Just me uh, with a wig, but way yeah. better looking. <laughs> way, way better looking. Um, all right. Let's wrap this with the uh, a question from the GoBundance card uh, game. This is the four of diamonds. And I like this question. What do you love and appreciate about yourself? Mm. You know, I am very proud of my introspection, my, you know, looking at my part in things, my how do I get better? The tagline of aspiring women achieving more is better every day. How do I take one little step to be better every day? Do you know the Tony Robbins distinction of two millimeters that no matter where you're at, two millimeters changes everything. Just shift your focus two millimeters. Well, I tattooed two millimeters. To my wrist because that is such a tremendous piece of how I, I direct my life. So my a little bit better every day, look at myself, try to figure out how I can own what I'm doing. Oh, wow. That's inspiring. You're, you do have a gift for that. So thank you for sharing that. And I love the tattoo. That's amazing. Uh, where can people learn more about you? You've shared so much information. How can people follow you or learn more about you or, or whatever? Oh, hey, thanks, Jamie. This has been so fun. Uh, I, best way to get a hold of me, mandymcallister.com. It, it's, I've got links to, you know, all of my social media stuff, the, you know, coaching, the deals, all of that stuff, mandymcallister.com. I, I love it. I love it. The, uh, are you specifically on one social platform more than others or no? You know, um, I'm working to be better at Instagram because us 40 somethings, don't get to talk with the 20 somethings unless we show up there. And I don't know how to function on TikTok or Snapchat. I'm going to say so. you might be missing TikTok, I think is the next frontier. I'm, I'm just starting to get used to that, but I'm with you. I'm, I'm yeah. building my Instagram <laughs> portfolio as well. <laughs> I love, love it. it. Well, Mandy, thank you so much. This has been unbelievable. I'm glad we finally got to do this, of course. And it's been, uh, it's been an inspiring education. I got a bunch of notes over here, uh, hour or so with you. Thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, thank you, Jamie. Absolutely. The wrong tribe confounds. The right tribe compounds. Get your free copy of the runaway bestseller Tribe of Millionaires, a $20 value at tribeofmillionaires.com free. Just pay the shipping. That's tribeofmillionaires.com. Thank you for tuning in to the GoBundance podcast. We hope to see you at a live event in the near future. If you're new to us, Here's a quick explanation of our programs. Number one, Emerge, a web-based journey for millionaires to be. Number two, Ascend, an interactive mastermind, the next stage of our journey. Number three, GoBundance Elite, the original tribe of millionaires. Number four, GoBundance Champions, five million net worth and above. Number five, GoBundance Women, a tribe of amazing badass women. For detailed information on all five of these, Simply find us at GoBundance.com. Until then, grab life big.